0: Hello, and welcome back to the Calm 122 podcast. We are now on episode 12. The topic of this week is the circuit of cultural production. While this concept may seem alien to you, the underlying reasoning is fairly simple. It views innovation in media technology not just as a technical advance, but a gradual process of social construction. In that process, the characteristics, usage, and identities associated with innovation is shaped not by its technological features nor its inventor. Instead, they are shaped by the consumers who use it, business interests that profit from it, and by regulators who seek to control it. This view on the circuit of cultural production is a stark contrast from technological determinism. Technological determinism is a school of thought arguing that a society's technology determines social structure and cultural values. And to some degree, that is true. In the early part of the semester, we discussed how media content shapes ideologies and cultures. In our daily conversations, we may also hear arguments that mirror technological determinism, such as that social media makes us depressed, video games make people violent, so on and so forth. But the reality is, just as technology influences a lot of aspects in any society, the technology itself is also shaped by many societal factors. We emphasize five components in the circuit of cultural production. They are representation, identity, production, consumption, and regulation. Regarding regulation, it refers to the intended use of technology by its inventors. When radio technology was first invented, it was intended for long-distance point-to-point communication, as in marine rescues during the sinking of the Titanic and military communications during the two world wars. If we look at more contemporary examples of social media, what was their original intended use? When Mark Zuckerberg first built Facebook, it was meant to be a student directory featuring photos and personal information. As it evolved to become a global social platform, it adopted the mission to, quote, give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected, unquote. What about YouTube? YouTube started as a platform for user-generated content, meaning it emphasized grassroots and amateur production. As you can see, Facebook clearly has failed its mission to make us more open and connected. Nowadays, the platform is not used so much to build bridges, but to sort people further into like-minded silos. Instead of having an open dialogue, people become more guarded in expressing opinions and suspicious of others' motives. Facebook is no longer just a platform for socialization. It has grown into a giant platform for friendship, event planning, coordinating and mobilizing social movements, news consumption, gaming, and etc. YouTube, which started as a platform for amateurs, is now dominated by professional content producers. YouTube itself also produces original show. Historically, that shift also occurred in the development of radio. Starting as a point-to-point communication tool, radio technology later was widely used as a one-to-many broadcasting tool, which ushered in the era of mass communication. So, as a new technology evolves, its actual usage, characteristics, and attributes will change over time, and will depart from the original intent of its inventors. This is the second component in the circuit— identities, which is defined as attributes, characteristics, and purposes that come to be associated with technology. The third component is the production. As new technology expands its domain of usage, it faces business pressures. For example, who's going to fund its continuing expansion? When commercialized, the involved business decisions can impact the design of a technology. Let's focus on two important business decisions, patents and corporate development. Patents are sets of exclusive rights granted by a sovereign state to an inventor or assignee for a limited period of time in exchange for a detailed public disclosure of an invention. Patents served as an effective economic incentive to inventors. After the invention of radio, Marconi formed a company under his name in 1897 after the granting of a British patent for quote, "wireless technology." Another inventor, Lee de Forest, who was famous for leading large forests, (laughs) just kidding, he actually foresaw lots of business opportunities. DeForest created Audion and patented it. In contemporary examples of social media, patenting is also ubiquitous. While it's easy to create a copycat of Facebook or YouTube by replicating their business models, both companies have well-guarded trade secrets in the form of patents. Facebook owns thousands of patents. Some were developed in-house, and some were bought from other companies or through mergers. For example, Facebook owns patented algorithms that track eye activity to determine the focus of users. It has a patented algorithm for finding your relatives by analyzing social interactions online. And needless to say, it has a patented algorithm for matching user's personality profiles to specific advertising content. The second important business decision involves forming a corporation. A corporation can later become a conglomerate. During the days of radio, RCA, Radio Corporation of America, was a tech giant. It owned all the patents related to radio broadcasting, which meant that no company could manufacture radios without manufacturing a license fee to RCA. RCA also controlled the transmitters, the studios, and the licenses to build radio receivers. It also produced content delivered through its own radio network. RCA engaged in both horizontal and vertical integration, resulting in a conglomerate that controls all aspects of our telecommunication. RCA was just like Apple, Google, or Amazon of today. The corporate development is generally beneficial as it funds the further development of the technology. RCA played a critical role in laying out network radio stations, which makes it possible to unite the whole country through common cultural products. It also made it possible for national leaders to effectively speak to the national audience. However, corporate control of technology can also hinder innovations. Here's an example. Edward Armstrong developed FM radio. FM radio has far better sound quality than AM radio, which was the dominant mode of radio transmission used at the time. Despite its superb sound quality, deployment of FM radio was delayed and obstructed by RCA. Because RCA was so heavily invested in AM stations, replacing AM with FM was too costly for the company. Sarnoff and RCA even lobbied the federal regulators to make Armstrong's FM frequencies obsolete. In the modern day example of social media, corporate development can also limit innovation. Media conglomerates and tech giants easily buy off smaller companies and potential competitors. Facebook, for example, has bought Instagram. This move served Facebook well because it eliminated Instagram as a potential rival. However, the move made the industry more concentrated and harder for smaller companies to survive. Regarding consumption, the fourth component in the circuit of cultural production, it's about how people adopt and use new technology. With corporate development after the invention of a new technology, the technology will eventually be adopted by the general public. As you've heard from the documentary Empire of Air, the music box was a household item during the golden days of radio. Perhaps it was the iPhone of the day. The wide adoption by the public and mass consumption creates a new popular culture. In the age of radio, it was the kind of popular culture cultivated by radio shows. In our days, it could be the selfie culture made mainstream by our social media use. Lastly... We should talk about regulations. As innovation becomes mainstream, with widespread public adoption and vested business interests, regulators may become keen on reining the innovation. We will discuss regulations in depth in the coming weeks, but let's focus on one thing that arose during the time of radio. Sinking of the Titanic led governments to realize the importance of radio communications. The U.S. government thus enacted the Radio Act of 1912, requiring that everyone who transmits radio signals through public airwaves need to apply for a license. Later, as radio became a mass broadcasting tool and many stations tried to use the limited spectrum in public airwaves, the government again stepped in, this time creating the Radio Act of 1927. It created a federal body to allocate frequencies and set guiding standards for broadcasting content. In our time, there are increasingly more conversations about regulating social media. Currently, technology companies, unlike media companies, mostly follow self-regulation. But as Facebook and YouTube evolve from a technology platform to a content provider, as well as a critical public information infrastructure, many argue that it is time to regulate or even break up the big tech. That's all for today. If you're interested in checking out some radio content from back in the day, I personally would recommend checking out Relic Radio. It's this podcast series that shares old radio soaps and stories from the 30s through 80s. My personal favorite is their selection of sci-fi. Again, my name is Max Gillis, and thank you for listening.